0: You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Hello, everyone, and welcome to what I'm sure is going to be a memorable edition of Global Trade This Week. I am Pete Mento, and with me, as always, except when he's not, is my partner in crime, my co host, Mr. Doug Draper. Doug, how are you, pal? I'm
1: good. I'm doing really well. We are. Um... Literally on opposite sides of the country, I'm in the uh, great city of Fresno, California this week, and you can see that your background, uh, your office when you travel is a little bit more dynamic. I like I, I'm in a box, right? Usually I'm in a three by three box uh, when I'm at the co-working space in Denver. Here, I'm in like a ten by ten white box, as you can see from my background. It's okay. I got my laptop in an empty room, but that way I focus on business. Pete TCB trying to close some uh, close some business out here. Get
0: it, buddy. Yeah, I'm in Indianapolis in our office in Indianapolis. I'm giving a client seminar tomorrow to a bunch of our customers here in uh, Indiana and I guess uh, Ohio and we have some folks from Kentucky that are coming up. So that's exciting. Wow. I'll be giving uh, 14 client seminars in the first and second quarter of next year. So hopefully I'll be seeing people at those. I was in California earlier this week, Doug. I was in San Diego. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Uh, I'm, I'm very jealous that you get to be in California as much as you are. The weather is
1: Pretty awesome. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Well, we wouldn't be uh, a bunch of old bald men without talking about the weather because it is actually pretty nice here in Fresno. So.
0: yeah Hip replacements. Four hundred and one Ks. Weather. That's that's how we roll, buddy. Yeah. We have a big announcement, Doug. I want you to I want you to take the opportunity to tell folks where we'll be in December.
1: Yeah. Speaking of hip replacements and, and old people, we're <laughs> heading to Boca, baby. <laughs> Boca, baby. <laughs> Boca, not Vegas. Boca. Boca, not Boca del Vista, but Boca Raton, Florida. So we have been uh, honored to, um, pro- or not produce, but take our show on the road. We're going to take our talents to Miami, so to speak. And uh, the Transported Asset Protection Association, as some of you may know as TAPA, is having their TAPA T2 annual conference down there on December fifth and sixth of this of this year. And uh, Cindy, who's the executive director. Has invited us to come down, so we're going to do a live show. It seems like that's kind of a trend with podcasts nowadays. So we'll be there. I believe it's day one, we'll shake it all out with the time. But um, Pete, we're going down there, we're taking our show on the road, and uh, I'm very excited and I'm very grateful for Tappa and Cindy for uh, extending the invitation. So I've never been, but you have. So yes. um, tell me what we uh, tell me what we sh- tell me what I should expect and and uh, and, and what uh, our listeners should expect as well.
0: Oh, absolutely. So TAPA is the absolutely the most prestigious of all the TAPA Americas creates the standards, if you will, for for secure transportation for goods across the world, international and domestic. And then those standards are audited by that organization, individual organization. And those standards really set the stage for making sure that goods get from one place to another in the most secure possible way. Um, Logistics firms Transport transportation firms, freight forwarders, 3PLs, warehousing firms, and the actual shippers themselves do a lot of work to establish these processes, constantly improve them based on the way that the environment uh, changes as well. And they meet uh, all over the world to collaborate with one another, to talk about what's happening in the world of security, transportation, and addiction, to work on always making them better. So this meeting in particular in Florida, I think it happens in Florida every year. They meet in Nashville as well, um, usually Nashville, and they get together lots of great presentations, lots of collaboration amongst one another. And um, this is a first to have someone come down there and give, uh, you know, do their podcast live in front of everyone. I generally do speak at Tappa. TAPA has been absolutely wonderful to me in my career. Cindy Rosen is one of my favorite people, not just professionals, but favorite people. Um inside the industry, outside of the industry, she is an absolute joy of a human being. How she keeps that band of feral cats together, I have absolutely no idea. Um she actually lives in in I think she's in BOCA still. Uh but thank you to her. Thank you to, to Chuck Forsyth. Thank you. Um uh God the list goes on and on. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to mention like a thousand people. Mm-hmm. If I keep doing this. Um you know, thank you to absolutely everyone uh at Tappa for in- inviting us. We're very excited to be down there, very excited to be doing the show. And I promise you, for those of you that are going, we're gonna we're gonna bring a lot of great stuff when we're
1: down there. So looking forward yeah. to seeing everyone in Boca um when we get down there. Yeah. We're gonna bring the heat for sure. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Oh, absolutely. All right, so we're gonna tag team this first one, Pete. Um and it's um I forget where. I know sometime last week I heard this term and I was like, "What? what, what, what is that term, right? Um, and I think it's going to be the buzzword for 2024 in our industry and maybe a lot of other industries, but a black swan event, right? So um, other than probably what people could think that that means, it's a extremely rare event that has severe consequences, whether direct or indirect. And... That can't be predicted beforehand. Um, anyway, there may be some false claims that it should have been predicted. Um, you know, catastrophic damage to an economy and negatively impact markets and investments and blah blah blah. So you can get an idea of what that what that looks like. So I I believe, again, in a predictive nature of the show because we talk about what's coming up, not what has happened in the past, is that black swan is going to be a common term. And I think kind of like the the news, Pete, I'm still old school, and I definitely watch the uh, evening news, and everything they talk about is breaking news. It's breaking news this, breaking news that, and when you and I were growing up, breaking news was saved for maybe a term used once a week, right, (laughs) because of, but everything is breaking term, and I hope that the black swan um, uh, usage of that term does not go overboard, but, you know, it, you got wars can create problems with fuel and what does fuel do with international trade and domestic trucking companies and things of that nature. And then cyber attacks is more towards data flow and, and not, uh, keeping, uh, you know, control of data. We've seen labor situations, which would be defined as a black swan event, but in reality, it's just labor negotiations. We've seen that in all kinds of industries, specific to ours, UPS and yellow, you know, that whole Suez Canal blockage that happened a couple of years ago that kind of shut everything down. And then the climate, you know, the rivers in Europe and um, what's going on down in the Panama Canal. You know, I, I don't know if these are black swan uh, uh, events, but they will be sold as that. So um, disruption in the flow of goods, higher cost, the inventory is going to be out of whack and it you can't prepare for it. So the only thing that we... Could advise, or at least what I would advise, Pete, is what we did way back in February of 2020 when you and I predicted the implications of COVID in our supply chain is that you better have a plan B um, and you better diversify your sourcing, your carriers, your warehouses, anything that touches your supply chain. Diversify, diversify, diversify so you can pivot because the analytics and the consulting firms out there they are going to say, go left or right, um, may not be accurate because of uh, unforeseen circumstances, which appear to be happening more and more. So I, I don't know if black swan is going to be the buzzword. I think it will be, um, and uh, we better be prepared for it, Pete, because it's not going to uh, to stop anytime soon. You have some good opinions on black swan, so I'm going to volley this over the court or over the uh, uh, over to you, and we'll see what's up. What's your take on black swan events for 2024?
0: When you mentioned this in your in your show notes, I, I said I've been talking a lot about this in my public speeches. And the reason I've been talking about it is I'm not sure that in 2023, given our predictive analytics tools, given AI, and how much we've learned about the world around us, we can credibly use this term anymore. Anyone that looked at the early days of COVID should have seen what was going to happen. And I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to say a lot in public that the term black swan event is an excuse. It's an excuse for people who, who, if they would have just stopped for a moment and looked at what was going on, should have been able to note and warn that this was possible. In the current global economy, because there's so much fear for making a mistake, People are just afraid to put out an opinion that could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I don't have a problem with that. I, I certainly don't have a problem with that. I made a lot of predictions at the beginning of COVID that were right. I made some that were pretty damn wrong. And I was more than happy to get on this show and a lot of other ones and own the fact that I was, I was off, off the ball on a couple of them. Mm-hmm. I was terrifyingly right about a lot of other ones as well. But if you look at many of the situations that would be termed black swan events that would affect the supply chain over the course of the next 10 years, they're easily predictable, Doug. America being pulled into a war in Eastern Europe would would cause black swan events in supply chains, uh, a crash to the American housing market, uh, Chinese economy melting down. America being pulled into a war in the Middle East, Um, a a shale revolution in America coming back, affecting the price of energy and how that would affect the cost of supply chain, all the things being neutral. A cyber event, a major cyber event, which is at this point, likely, Mm -hmm. it's likely, but you and I I both know, you and I both know that if there was a, a cyber event that hit, a Major American port. Oh, it was a black swan event. None of us could have seen it happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will I will pull up a hundred commentators on cybersecurity who would have said who, who can point to entire PowerPoint presentations that say if a cyber event hit a port or or air traffic control or a customs system, here's how it would have affected supply chain. So don't give me that. I think instead what is more important is that we, as you just mentioned, Doug begin to create a a recovery plan for these. We begin to stress test our supply chains for these and consider the possible outcomes. Through the use of regression mathematics and artificial intelligence, it's actually easier now than ever before to predict how it would happen. If I were to say to a board of directors, there's a 20% chance that this could happen, and we put that in writing, and then it did happen, and you didn't prepare for it, you shouldn't be on that board anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you were
0: a CEO that didn't have a plan for that, you shouldn't have that job anymore. So I'm, I'm just not in the mood to give quarter or mercy to anyone that isn't ready and be unprepared for one of these black swan events, buddy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting topic, and uh, I, I like your take on it. Some of those things that you just said, being drawn into war, cyber attack, like we're there. Right. I don't want to say looking over a cliff because that's a dramatic statement. And I just made fun of dramatic statements. But all of those things are potentially right there housing market, Chinese uh, economy. I mean, we're, we're right there. So if those are defined as black swan, I agree with you. It's uh, we've been talking about it. Right. How can you talk about something and predict it, but yet call it a black swan because it's supposed to be unpreparable. Anyway. If I can. If I can give you one more thing to consider, Doug,
0: right? So yeah. to earlier on this, black swan events can also be, uh, they can have positive outcomes, right? So if you're an RC, not for our customers, but for you and I, the supply chain crisis was very good for shareholders because it drove up prices because of supply and demand. It was miserable to work through. It burned out a lot of people. It was very hard, um, but it was ultimately good for the bottom line. People talk about the rise of the internet, of personal computer use, cell phone, mobile data, the internet of things. Uh, It's funny. We're talking about people at TAPA. One of my favorite people ever, again, in the business, TAPA, any of it, it's got him Alan Geert. Um, I believe Alan is still the president of TAPA. Alan works at Microsoft. And one of the things he and I have in common is a deep... Uh, almost uncomfortable nerdy love of all things space. Uh, I think Alan has probably met every living astronaut that was in the Gemini program and the Apollo program. He's just, he's one of those guys, you know, Mm -hmm. but when, when you saw the space program begin to rise, the scientific outcomes of that and how it affected the, the, the American economy, a lot of those things were considered black swan events. Well, now, when we're seeing the rise of SpaceX and what we're seeing with, with what Amazon's doing with their, with their satellites, what Tesla's doing with the Starlink, they're, they're being so impactful in the global economy. Those are not going to be black Swan events, but I guarantee you people are going to call them that being able to give that level of high speed internet for Starlink as an example, how close we are to exploration of other planets, going to the moon as individual businesses being able to bring lithium back from the moon at a price point that's not ridiculous. I know it sounds crazy. But they'll call those black swan events when they begin to affect the production of goods back in America. No, they're not. If you can if you can imagine it happening now, it shouldn't be
1: considered a black swan event, Doug. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that uh, term evolves into the upcoming year. So If it does and the the COVID as as a uh, a precursor to the second half, we'll do our halftime here uh, in, in a second. But the benefits of our industry with COVID, you know, there were some um, companies that were dramatically impacted, both positively and negatively. I'm going to talk a little bit about that on the second half. But un, until that, Pete, this is halftime, baby. I love it. I love talking halftime. Brought to us by Cap Logistics. Uh, visit CapLogistics.com. So. Anyway, yeah, I I like yours. It's uh, it's a topic, and I won't even go into it because if I say the word, people will know what it's about. So, yeah. letter, you go first.
0: Uh, I'm a movie guy. I love movies. Love them, love them, love them, love them, love them. And because I travel nonstop now. I'm I'm usually gone Sunday. I come back on Friday. Sometimes I travel over the weekend because it's just easier than coming home because of where I'm at and where I've got to be. So, what I, I do now because... Doug, I don't go out and party anymore. <laughs> it's one of the casualties of being in my fifties. I don't, there'll be young people in the office that say, Hey, want to go out and drink tonight, doc. You want to go, want to go hang out with the branch and get loaded? No, I do not. I have to get up early in the morning and go waddle on the treadmill and it will kill me if I stay out and drink with you people. So what I do a lot of times is I I pick a hotel that's close to a movie theater and I, I go see movies almost every week. And I was very excited last week for the release of Killers of the Flower Moon, which is the late, latest Martin Scorsese epic for a number of reasons. First of all, it's Martin Scorsese. And I love Martin Scorsese films. Second of all, it's, a, it's based on a wonderful book that I've, I, I tell everyone to read. It's, uh, it's an excellent book, which I'll talk a bit more about in a second. And third, because I'm native. So being Native, it's a story about Native people. I'm going to love it, right? So without reading any reviews, without reading anything about it, I didn't even really know other than Leo and De Niro who was in it. I go to an AMC theater and I get my thing of popcorn and a big old Diet Coke and I sit down. So good and bad, here's my review, Doug. Um, It is almost four hours long. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I was about
0: to say, it is almost four hours long so first things first i think at this point we need to bring back intermissions to movies i think it's not a bad idea i think at some point having a film stop when it's that long and saying the movie will you know intermission the movie will continue in five minutes go pee uh you know maybe hit the inter, hit the, s- the stand for a little something to drink go grab a pickle or whatever pickles at movie theaters love it um, you know, low, low carb, high, high quality of return, um, and come back. That would be great. But man, sitting in a movie theater for that long, that's, I think now that we're streaming movies at home, people feel comfortable making them that long because you can just pause it and go live your life. So I think that's why they're doing that. Second of all, the book is incredible. And if you're, if you're, if you're the kind of person that's still digging on the written word, and I hope you are, if you watch the show. I hope people that watch the show are readers. Uh, It's one of those books I cannot recommend enough. It's up there with The Billionaire's Vinegar. It's up there with Towing Jehovah. It's up there with with Commanding Heights. All those books I really think you need to read. And the book is actually about the FBI. The book is actually about the rise of the Federal Bureau of Investigations. It's about the first big win the FBI had about how they were compelled to come to the Osage County where this very small historically beaten down group of Native Americans it ended up becoming in short order, per capita, the wealthiest human beings on planet Earth. They were the Saudis of their time without just ironically, when their, their, their tribe was about to become so poor that they couldn't support their own children, they found oil. And in doing so, they became outrageously wealthy. And because of some very unfortunate events, a lot of murders began to happen but because of the way that the Indian um, Act was written, nobody was investigating the murders. So the federal government stepped in, and it was the first big win for the FBI. And the book is about 75 80% about the investigation. The movie is about 5% about the investigation. And, okay, you know, I, I read the book, and I saw the movie, so it was... It was fun for me to see this great character study of the people that were in the book and the people that the book was based on. But I was really looking forward to sort of this this mystery and this investigation. And I didn't get that in the movie. Still a great movie. Wonderful performances. It's Scorsese, so it's beautiful. Um, it, it, it's, it's well worth the watch. Mm-hmm. If you are not into sweeping historical epics, You're not going to like it. Um, It is is definitely, uh, it's got a social message to it. Uh, There's definitely good guys and bad guys and uh, very violent, very bloody. Again, it's Scorsese, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: uh, but it is not what I expected. Read the book, read the book. I'm going to give the movie uh, three and a half out of five stars. Yeah. I'm going to give the book 10 stars out of 5.
1: All right. So the book is better than the movie, as usual, right?
0: Significantly so, so, so much better. Mm. So much better than... And I, I hate to say that because I love Scorsese so much. Uh, but Leo Leo does... Uh, an abs- He's incredible in this movie. Yeah. Absolutely mm. incredible in this movie. And he plays somebody that you wouldn't expect him to play. Just the character that he plays makes he's not what you would think he would play he's very good and um also one more thing the the movie is littered with country music stars that play that aren't actors like sturgill simpson's in it for god's sakes like there's all these people that you're like why is this person in this movie
1: but they do an excellent job good yeah the whole intermission thing it's funny that you brought that up because my wife and i were talking about that and, and she had indicated that the last intermission movie she saw was sounded music in the theater when she was a kid because there's such a dichotomy between the first half of the movie and the second half of the movie um and that um so the intermission piece 100 percent love it and the other interesting comment that you made pete is that you like pickles in movie theaters so you that's all i can think about for about 45 seconds after you made that comment you love it I don't
0: no, no, no. <laughs> well, know. After I've been eating popcorn for a long time and you go to the, they've got pickles. I love that. Yeah. Um, uh, the last movie I saw with intermission, uh, I went to Cambridge and I watched The Godfather in a big screen and there's an intermission of The Godfather and that was pretty cool. So mm. that's the only, only time I've, I've seen it. No, it's not true. I saw um, um, Gone with the Wind with my mom and they had an intermission with that.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm agreed. Got to bring it back. All right, brother. So my, my, my take is um, I saw this on the news and I, it, it shocked me, right, because of, of one major thing. So obviously automation and robotics and warehouses in my industry is more prevalent. It's slowly becoming adaptable. It's financially becoming um, viable um, for, um, for 3PLs and other companies that can drop the, the level of money needed to be in there for efficiencies so amazon which is traditionally the uh the the leader in automation in my opinion 10 years ago they bought kiva robots and people are like what's all that about they're not a robot company but it's a precursor to what they're up to so the newest one is a robot called digit right and um pete just like the movies it's coming to a warehouse near you now that the actual time that this will be implemented is probably years away maybe not amazon moves quickly but um if you've seen it, it, it literally looks like um, the Terminator after its skin was 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 torn off. Right when you really saw what Arnold Schwarzenegger looked like uh, after everything, and it scared me. Right here's this Terminator with legs, so it's a robot that has legs, has you know uh, uh, kind of a head and arms, and it's designed so it can go up and down. Right. Robots usually have to be on a, on a surface, but the idea is they can grab a box apparently and walk upstairs and go downstairs, um, which is cool. I get the automation piece, but oh my God, Pete, it literally scared me. I was like, what, what the hell is this, right? And it, it's just funny that that type of thing is going to be working with actual humans. Um, it freaked me out. The second piece is that um, they say, hey, it won't replace jobs because the jobs that it will replace, right, to some degree... It, let me rephrase that, it won't put people out of work because they still need individuals to support the automation and the robot. And the thing about that, pe- is there's people out there that don't want to do that. There are people that are very content with um, doing a a job where they stand and pick a box and move it down the line. And um, it's very noble work and I get it, but not everybody wants to program a rob- robot. Not everybody wants to support that, so it'll be, It'll be interesting. But the point of this halftime, Pete, is that Digit scared the hell out of me. And it looks like the Terminator um, after uh, uh, Schwarzenegger, uh, you know, went down to its core at the end of the movie when you were scared to death. So I I don't know. They need to change it around or or, or something. But Digit is out there. It's being tested and it's coming to a warehouse near you.
0: I think keenan has got to try to put up a picture. When we,
1: when we produce the show,
0: you know, yeah. um, got the big glowing eyes and yes. light, like, light eyes, you
1: know. That's perfect. Uh, put, put, it, put it next to the term, the real Terminator and then put Digit next to it and, and people will see the similarities uh, of what I'm talking about.
0: There's that study they did where they had, they had the robot dog and they had people play with it. Mm-hmm. And then the, the scientists came in and just beat the hell out of the robot dog. And everybody was all emotional about it, like "Don't hurt the robot dog!" I'm like, "It's not a dog; it's a machine. It's yeah. not real." And they just kept like mercilessly beating this dog, and everyone was so emotionally attached to it. And and uh, it's how we feel as human beings, right? Like we're, we have we have an emotional, evocative response to these machines, and I think we've been raised, particularly our generation, from all the science fiction that we've seen, to either be afraid of them or if it was if it looked like R2D2 or C three PO maybe it'd be different. Yeah. They don't. They look a little soulless. And I think that's why it scares us. But the whole point of these machines is there'll be environments that are better suited for a machine than a person. And as populations go down, and as they become cheaper, that's just better labor. Mm-hmm. than as human beings are set to do different tasks, you know. And I hear Good. you, Doug. Know, American jobs working on these things like it's a great job working on cars in the 50s. It's a great job working on cars in 2023. But the technology of them has shifted. These are just machines that have made it easier. We're not working on horses. We're working on cars. Well, someday yeah. people work on this automation. But getting used to walking through a warehouse for a guy like you or I and seeing 25 of these machines walk around, picking up boxes, driving forklifts, that's going to take some getting used to, man. Yeah, But I'd be interested to see it. Boy, is yeah. that going to be weird.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. So I I don't know, you know, if it's uh, you know marketing or whatever, but you know, I Amazon's did a good job of of promoting warehouse automation, and I'm sure there's people out there that say our workers have been treated like robots for years, and then here comes the 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 challenge of, of treating the workforce appropriately. But anyway, we'll we'll have Keenan put a side by side up there so our our viewers uh, can check it out. So yeah, man. Well, hey man, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna just. Yeah, I'm going to jump into my second one, and it's related, as I said, to uh, uh, to COVID. Um, and the brokerage, the truck brokerage industry that we're seeing is in a tailspin right now. And it, it'll be interesting to see how long it lasts or how long it'll take to reset and, and level set, maybe is a better word. Um, so first of all, digital brokerage, that's been a buzzword right during COVID when all of this VC money was coming in because... Our industry was crushing it as far as financially goes during during the pandemic. In my opinion, digital brokerage doesn't exist. It's just a fancy word to wrap around brokerage. Um, yes, AI is coming, ChatGPT, and before the show we talked about some um, functions um, that will uh, be replaced, but you still need a person to talk to people um, and, and manage the flow of communication. Pete, we've talked about this before, our industry specifically in trucking is still decentralized. And there are companies like FedEx and UPS that own the rails that have control of all aspects of it. But the vast majority of how things move across our country and how they're managed once they get into the United States is decentralized mom and pops that have a truck or a small fleet that are just trying to put food on the table and just trying to pay insurance and just trying to pay off the truck. They do not have time to engage with technology to push back. Hey, man, I'm just in line trying to get this container out of the port, or I'm just trying to bump the dock on this warehouse so I can keep the wheels turning, so I can keep earning and everything else. So the digital brokerage concept is just a fancy word for for brokerage, right? Um, So that's step one or or point number one. The second one is flex port, um, convoy, Um, And and there's some, you know, C.H. Robinson, Coyote, Uber Freight, these are all companies in the last 18 months that have reduced their staff because they overstaffed uh, during the brokerage. So it's unfortunate that there's so many people that got an entry into our industry um, and um, new graduates and new college people and that folks were trying to get in our industry had the opportunity, but, excuse me, Pete, I tell you what, man, things are getting right-sized and they're getting right-sized real quick. And they're cutting deep. And when you have big players like CH and, and, uh, and Convoy and Coyote that are, are right sizing, it's interesting to see what's going to happen. And part of that, Pete, is that the rates are going to go right back up um, and, uh, and the spot market is going to uh, probably be more impacted than uh, you know contract rates until the contracts are up. So anyway, uh, brokerage is in a uh, truck brokerage, domestic truck brokerage is in a really unique situation right now. I think it's going to calm down. I don't know how much more they can cut. Uh, it's kind of like the tech industry for, for a little bit. But anyway, that's interesting to look. And if anybody wraps the term black swan around what's happening, I'm going to punch
0: them. Yeah. Well, you predicted it. So if they do, you can you can do a little dance on their head. Doug. Yep. Um, you, you talked about this in the beginning of last year. You were expecting this to happen, and you were right. The volume is a, a very important part of this. You know, the the money's in it when people when supply and demand hammers it, and your ability to have relationships with carriers when people need space, being able to fill that, the relationship game becomes more important than the digital game mm-hmm. um, yeah. when it's when it's a speed issue. It's just like stock brokering, right? When in, when it's just speed and data versus being able to have information that you're able to work off of at the speed of light. And there's a lot of individuals, two, three-person operations that do extremely well for themselves as truck brokers, and will continue to, because they have relationships, they've got customers that depend on them. But these large companies that work off of volume, they're migrating to a digital platform, they've got great systems, they've got a right size, they've got to move with the market. But also keep in mind, they they brought in a lot of young people that were making great money when it was supply and demand. And now, you know, those people aren't delivering when things are hard. Mm-hmm. So you could swing a cat and make money two or three years ago without a lot of talent. And unfortunately those people who have a lot of talent, they have got to go find someplace else to spend their time. Yeah. And that, that's a, that's a sad part, a sad reality of our business.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can't you just fill trip. up your whole life. Yeah, for sure. All right, my man, bring us home. What you got on your last topic.
0: My last topic, again on the theme of black swans for today, um, it, it has been exceedingly rare that a pandemic or that a, a major um, disease event in the world has not been immediately followed within a decade or so of another major disease event. Even in modern history, when we've had some sort of a, of a you know an animal flu, it wasn't long before another one came out. And if we look at the past couple of years, with the way that the entire supply chain was disrupted by COVID. Here we are in 2023. The world has, for the most part, and I I don't want to get into politics, but the world has, for the most part, agreed that the COVID-19 calamity, we've we've moved past it and the supply chain is is leveling itself off. We're, We're right around where we were before 2019 and we're growing again along with global numbers for global trade growth. If, in fact, we're going to see another pandemic within the next 10 years or another global health event, in the next 10 years, have we done anything to deal with the infrastructure and to deal with our transportation infrastructure to be ready for it? The next time that we have a major health scare on the level of COVID, if it were to happen, if we were to have a pig flu, if we were to have a chicken flu that were to go through the world, if there were to be another COVID event, would the supply chain be ready for it? Would the economy be ready for it? I'm not sure that it would, though. For a number of reasons, one of the biggest being just the regular human reaction to how we would deal with it. Across America, as an example, depending on the, the state that you live in, depending on your own personal reaction to what was going on, where I live most of the time in New Hampshire, we probably wouldn't just shut down our economy if, the, um, if another pandemic were to happen without the federal government forcing us to. People would probably just go about their day unless folks started dropping in the street and i I think that our industry would have a very different reaction than we did last time. I don't think that we would, as I said earlier, cinch up the hose in in fear the reaction of a, of a lowered amount of consumption. I think we would learn from the past and say we should probably be prepared, if anything, for a ramp up in a need for imports and exports around the world based on what we saw last time. Mm-hmm. What we haven't seen, Doug, is a change to the infrastructure, more railheads more efficient ports, uh, more technology, more automation, more people prepared for this. If anything, nothing has changed. So if we were to be hit with another one of these events, I think we'd find ourselves very quickly in the exact same position that we just were in two years. Nothing changes when nothing changes. And Doug,
1: nothing's changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, uh, I think the key thing is not if, when, right. It's going to happen. And the reaction on the individual level, right? Forget the economy, forget um, you know inventory levels and all that kind of stuff. The way people will react to it is gonna be dramatically different. I mean, I, I, you know, I was in a slight panic when this happened, when they were trying to get respirators from different parts of the country. I called my broker and was like, you gotta get everything in my 529 for my kids out of it, li- liquidate it, right? I don't care if it makes no money, I don't wanna lose money. And if that's just me as an individual person trying to protect myself and my family, yep. that reaction is going to drive uh, a, a lot of things, but you nailed it with the infrastructure hasn't changed the lick and uh, we'll see what, we'll see what happens there. It's going to happen some form or fashion in the near future. So I think that's it. So um, again, I want to close by talking about the TAPA conference down in Boca Raton, December 5th and 6th. Can't thank Cindy enough for, inviting us it will be wild we were in front of Casa Benita with beers in hand at a picnic table uh now we're going on stage with uh with with lights and uh some great discourse maybe we should take some questions from the audience or we'll come up with some zinger to make sure people remember our our our, our thing. Well, they're going to remember it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i don't know if i should leave immediately after the event or hang around for the entire event i got to figure that one out hang so. around. we're definitely hanging yeah. So. Florida, hey, and we
0: everybody, we're hanging around.
1: All right. Good. I'll get to meet all your cohorts. So, um, anyway, thanks, Cindy. We appreciate that. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to another edition of Global Trade this week. Thank I'm you sure to Cap Logistics. Um, what's that?
0: Thank you to Cap Logistics as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Pete. We got to do that. They provide the soapbox that you and, are, you and I are on every single week. So, I think that's it. Pete, I don't know where I'm going to see you next week, but it'll be somewhere, hopefully, um, in, in a safe place in a wonderful office that we can see behind you. So, in DC. Cool. All right. I'll be back in Denver. All right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Talk to you later, Pete. See you, buddy. Bye.